Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Breaking down District 4 athletics and activities week in, week out across the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined by Scott Burton, who says the first rule of Fight Club is... You don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> and we're going to get to that uh, in a little bit later in the show. But uh, that's the nickname for today. The first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. That was a classic when it came out. That came out right around the turn of the millennium, late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, I, I'll admit the first time I watched it, Scott, I had I was not following you know what was happening until the very end and then it and then it made sense and i was like oh wow total yeah. twist at the end oh yeah absolutely those uh that movie was fantastic uh just stands the test of time and has a line in it that uh will forever go down in in movie lore and everybody else's vernacular so first rule and whenever you don't want to talk about anything the first yeah. rule of fight club Plus a plus a cameo from Meatloaf, one of the all-time great rock and roll artists, right? Who can yeah, you know, God rest his soul. Meatloaf yeah. is a big old oven in the sky right now. So, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, pushing out of that one, big fella. I'm not sure how I'm going to transition, except to say that uh, Meatloaf is what some people some people like savory, like Meatloaf. Other people prefer sweets, like donuts. And there were donuts being handed out at last week's 2023 DirectCom Invitational at Idaho State University in Pocatello, home of the ISU Bengals. This was a big track meet that we uh, broadcast uh, live on IdahoSports.com. There ended up being 26 teams that came over and made the trip, including several from the Magic Valley. Kerry, in particular, in the relays and the sprints, looked really good. Wrapped River, of course, the girls came over and didn't have any individual winners, but a lot of high placers, you know, second, third, fourth, that type of thing, which is impressive considering, Scott, they were going up against, you know, Highland and Rigby, these two 5A juggernauts. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we talked about them last week, the Raft River Girls uh, track team and just, you know, the depth that they have. And, you know, track's one of those things to where you, you can't put 5A versus 1A in football, you know, and typically not in basketball or baseball either, but track is the one thing that you can really say, you know what, hey, we got a good 1A team. Let's go uh, see what we can do against these 5As. And uh, it's always fun for the little guys to to get in there and mix it up um, with the big schools. And, and for Raft River, boy, what a what a great day. And, you know, for the uh, rest of the 1As that went up there for in the Magic Valley, you know, uh, what an awesome time. And a great event and well viewed and watched by you guys. You did a fantastic job. So tons of fun. Yeah. Cary Valley Murtaugh and Raft river came. Oakley was going to come and then the weather came in and they were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do something else instead. But Oakley didn't end up making it, but the other four did. Um, and, and Raft river, I will say the one event that they did win, Scott, and we kind of talked about this last week. Uh, this is one of those meets where they have the the special throwers relay, the four by one relay that is strictly yeah. for the throwers. Now it's doesn't count towards the point totals. It's just a fun event to run. Um, but Raft River did win their heat, and there was high stakes here, Scott, because the winner of each heat. There were two heats on the girls' side, two heats on the boys' side. Each side won a dozen donuts from a local uh, company here in Pocatello. They make their donuts uh, using potatoes, Scott. 
They're like they're really hmm. dense, good donuts. Yeah. So did you get to, you get a chance to sample those? Oh yeah, they had a box up in the uh, press box where we were, of course. So of course, they, of course they did. Yeah. Of course they did. You got to be able yeah. to talk about the prize on the air when you're broadcasting, right? So, <laughs> um, well, how, but, how fun was that? Uh, yeah, it was super fun. So yeah, a dozen donuts on the line here in the four by one throwers relay. Uh, Raft River won their heat, so they got to take a dozen donuts. And and some schools went all out for this, Scott. Like just epic costumes. Like Snake River was running. Their boys, they all had unicorn horns and like pink tutus on. <laughs> and um, you didn't even have to use a traditional baton. You know, usually run with the baton and hand it off. You could use whatever object you wanted. These Snake River guys, they had like a round pinata that they were running with and handing off to each other. And then wow. the, the guy the guy crossed the finish line. They took like third or fourth. He, he crosses the finish line with this round pinata and then just bashes it over his head and breaks it in two. And <laughs> it was kind of a good... Wow display there but we had costumes uh we had a guy who was dressed up as a twinkie uh paul went down and did an interview with him uh to, to talk about the choice there we had guys that had the uh donut on a string you know attached to his head so he's literally chasing the donut as he's running around the track uh, <laughs> it was a it was a good time a lot of fun oh my goodness you know and that is a great way to end a track meet you know and i don't know what happened but that used to be a really popular thing back in the day when, when, when I was running in the 19 ginger was, but it was so much fun that people look forward to it, but it's nice to see a little creative spark to it. You know, we talked about it, the, the weight man's relay is what we called it. We called it fat man relay. We called it so many other things. And it was nice that, you know, you can dangle a donut, you can win donuts, you know, you can do all of that and still have some fun without people getting bent out of shape because you're fat shaming or whatever the case is, because <laughs> that's certainly not the case. It's about people having fun. And uh, I like to see that come back because those used to be some really fun times uh, back in the day. Yeah. And then the other, the other cool kind of spontaneous event that happened was they had this hospitality, you know, tent for all the workers with food and stuff. And it got to the afternoon and they're like, we just need to get rid of this food. Like, you know, they went to the PA announcer and was like, Hey, make an announcement. Any kid that wants some food, just come to the tent and get it. And the PA announcer is like, well, no, we need to make a competition out of it. So he gets on the mic and goes, attention at midfield. We are going to have a dance competition and the winning team will get all of the food that's left in the tent. And so you had like Raft River was out there, Century, Aberdeen, um, and they had, they, they put Cotton Eye Joe on and had a dance off and, uh, it was kind of fun, and but it, it, the time allowed for it because it was uh, they were setting up the hurdles for the three hundred meter hurdles, which takes some time. So it was sure. a good filler. Well, who won? Who won the dance contest? Uh, Aberdeen ended up winning. It was close. So what were but... they doing? Can you show us what they were doing? Uh, not personally, <laughs> but they <laughs> there was you know there was there was uh, girls doing backflips, you know, like like in the air, multiple backflips, and it, wow. it was really cool. Um, but the funny part is, is like, uh, Logan green was on the broadcast with us and he kind of came over to me and goes, I'll be honest. I just went in that tent. All that's left is like potato salad and a couple bags of chips. So it's going to be a pretty <laughs> underwhelming prize. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a whole lot of work for a very small prize. Yeah. So the juice, maybe not worth the squeeze there, but, um, but, th but that's what makes track, uh, track and field invites. So fun when, when the weather is nice and, Mm -hmm. because when it's crappy weather everyone's just huddled up in their tents right or their tarps right 
Um, but when it's a nice day, the athletes get out and mingle with one another. And it really is a big event and a big social gathering. It is. And it just changes the entire vibe of a track meet. People are more into the races. They're more yelling at the races. They're, you know, their, their need to stay alive isn't really, you know, at the forefront of their minds when it's, you know, 50 mile an hour winds and freezing cold, you know, and everybody's just kind of watching the clock waiting to go home. Is this race over yet? Come on, what's the deal? But they're having fun during those. And man, it's amazing what weather can do. And uh, we're not done talking about the weather yet, are we? No, uh, because uh, we were discussing baseball and looking at some, and we're going to talk about the Declo baseball team now, um, and, and looking at some of their stats. And you made the great point, Scott, that you can't look at just the stats or the wins or the margins of victory because the weather has been so disruptive that it's hard for anybody to get into an actual rhythm. And baseball is such a rhythm sport, right? If you're not out there hitting and taking swings every day, you can lose it pretty quickly. Oh, you, you certainly can, you know, and just kind of leading into what you wanted to, to talk about, Declo and Wendell, uh, we previewed this last week to where Wendell's having a great season. They went to the Woodbat tournament. They had all four of their pitchers go complete games and uh, 11 and six on the year, but their Achilles heel right now is their conference foe, Declo. And uh, we were kind of previewing the second match between Declo and Wendell. This one was worth all the marbles too because it kind of determined home field and you know sometimes it's about matchups sometimes uh it's about the elements that you can't control like weather declo is owning wendell right now two and oh even though declo seven and four on the year they're two and oh against wendell and that's the record that matters and both of those games were relatively the same score 11 to 4 and 10 to 5 so you know we we touted all the the pitching that was going on at wendell but declo seems to have an answer for it now Back to the point is why is this happening? Well, we go look at some stats, right? And we see is what is there anything there that kind of paints a picture? And and really there's not except for the weather. And we're not going to sit and blame things on the weather, but you would be ignorant to say it doesn't play a part because most of the time, all of these kids this spring have been playing in 25 mile an hour winds. And depending on the direction of the field, you don't know what direction that's going to affect pitching, hitting, all of that. Um, things do weird pop flies are not routine anymore in those conditions. And a lot of these teams have not been on dirt very much. And so you kind of really have to take all of it with a grain of salt in the spring. Because if it is a game about rhythm and it's a game about getting streaky and hot, we have not had the opportunity to do that yet. Nobody has. And so when this mellows out coming down the stretch, because the weird thing is district tournaments start next week, right? Yep. And we haven't had a string of days at all this spring for any team to group. In fact, some teams, the one that we'll talk about has not been on dirt until last week. And so you can look at the record in the wind. You can look at the record in the snow and the rain, and you can look at the amount of games that one team's played and one team hasn't. Nobody knows anything right now in spring sports. And anybody could get hot at the right time if they can get a rhythm going. But until the weather mellows out, it's going to be tough to do. Yeah. So Declo gets that 10 to 5 win over Wendell over the weekend. Uh, 
Kaiden Murdoch, uh, one of several seniors on this year's Declo team, was really the big force. Uh, he ends up going uh, in that Wendell game one for two at the plate, uh, but he also uh, walked. Uh, he hit a home run. He scored three runs, and he's also been one of their key pitchers this year as well. Uh, he pitched five innings on the mound, Scott, uh, gave up five runs, but only two of them were earned thanks to a couple of fielding errors. And yeah, he allowed seven hits, but for the most part, he was able to wriggle his way out of out of danger. And then Trey mm-hmm. uh, Zaharias came in and finished off the last two innings. And so I really do think as we get down into postseason play, the teams that can avoid those trouble spots, walks and errors especially, are going to mm-hmm. have a huge advantage. Oh, absolutely. You know, and there's other things that, that play into that too, is how much dirt time have these teams gotten? You know, how much... Um, time have they gotten fielding fly balls in 25 mile an hour winds? You know, it, it those things play such a huge role. And you know, and speaking of that, the little things too make a huge difference. So if I'm a pitcher and I'm a fly ball pitcher because my my pitch is generally up in the zone, a lot of fly balls, but in windy conditions, those are going to be trouble. You know, if I'm kind of a sinker ball pitcher, something a little bit low, then ground balls. Okay probably the way to go in this weather, but you know, you, you can't get a hot bat when your hands are freezing and you, you can't uh, get a lot of velocity when the wind is blowing right in your face on, on the bump. Right. And you can't get a lot of break on your bender when there's a crosswind, it's just taking all the movement out, you know? And so all of these things play a role and, you know, there are some pitchers that are great cold weather pitchers. They just, for some reason, doesn't bother them. Uh, I remember when I pitched, in high school and college, it was, I was, it had to be a hundred degrees with no wind. I mean, just blazing hot and boy, did I excel, you know, you give me in a cold, man, I, I struggled, you know, so there's a lot to yet be learned about these teams. Declo now finishes up the season with non-con. I mean, obviously they're non-conference games. Wendell's the only conference opponent, and they just swept the season series. Uh, but when we get to districts, it's going to be a best of three game set. Uh, Tuesday, May second; Thursday, May fourth; and then, if needed, a third game Tuesday, May ninth. So over the course of a week, they're going to have a three game series, and Declo now gets home field advantage for that, which is huge. Um, yep. So we'll see. That's right. And for Declo, it, it's, it's tough to beat a good team three times, four times, which is what they're going to have to do. Yeah. I will say Declo's played a pretty challenging schedule this year. Shelly is a four, a, mm-hmm. uh, American falls is a three, a they've lost to them twice. Um, they split with Firth and that's important because Firth is the two, a runner up from a year ago. Firth got all the way to the championship game last year, mm-hmm. brought back a lot of those same athletes. And so for Declo to get a split with Firth, and that was early in the season, that could have been a big confidence booster for them. Oh, yeah, no question about it. You know, and you, a lot of people just look at records and not who they played. And Declo definitely has a, a real tough schedule, which is, you know, should benefit them coming down the stretch. So, yeah, for sure. So we'll keep an eye on the Declo and Wendell baseball teams as they duke it out. Let's shift gears to softball now, though, where uh, Wood River quietly has, uh, you know, done some pretty impressive things, uh, specifically uh, Mackenzie Nelson throwing uh, throwing a gem inside the pitcher circle this week, Scott. Yeah, um, it was it was kind of fun to learn about, you know, Coach Matt Nelson, dad. Um, 
kind of gave me some insight. And I mean, I went out and watched Wood River play a couple of days ago. Uh, and even though their record at six and 10, three and six in conference, this is a team that could surprise some people in the district tournament for all the reasons that we just got done talking about. This is a team that has not seen dirt. You know, they saw dirt last week and that's it. You know, so they are got some pieces and they're, and they're going to try to put them together. Um, and one of those pieces is, is Mac Nelson, you know, and her game against Minico was, was, was pretty fun to, to learn about. I mean, it was a, again, high forties win 35, 40 miles an hour. I mean, here we go. And uh, they knew it was going to be a challenge and, you know, and, and it really, and you take, you take Max deal and you take it back to the first game, right? Because the first game, um, they brought her in to finish game one and just to kind of loosen her up a little bit and get it going. And, and so, uh, Jet Ward started that first game for Wood River and she pitched really well. They got some at bats together and got some runs going. And then when, you know, Minico tried a little, got a little rally going in the seventh, that's when they brought Mac into the game and they sh shut him down. Okay. And that warmed her up, but it also sparked her because as soon as that game was over, she went right to warmups and it was like, she was just dialed in. Uh, something was just you, eye of the tiger, whatever, you know, um, eye of the Wolverine. <laughs> okay. But uh, you, you could tell something was just a little bit different, you know, and she knew that she had a big role to play in getting a, a sweep on the road. And, it was about the fourth inning that the coaching staff realized, you know what, these half innings are going super fast and they couldn't really remember anybody reaching base. And so not only was there a no, no happening, there was a perfect game happening and here comes fight club. So once you realize that you've got something special brewing, the first rule of a no hitter is you don't talk about a no hitter. The first rule of a perfect game is you don't talk about a perfect game and that's the fight club reference. So, you know, it started to happen and, um, we moved to the bottom of the fourth, you know, she struck out the side and had an immaculate inning, nine pitches, nine strikes. And, uh, it was, it was great. And they were up, um, enough to be able to close out the game in the fifth, but they needed and some insurance. And, uh, so when Matt got to the, the bottom of the last inning, uh, got the first hitter to ground out. The next hitter went to a full count and walked. And then there goes perfection. Um, but they didn't say anything, obviously. They knew that the no-no uh, was still intact. And so she locked in and struck out the side to complete it. And, and that's how we did it or how they did it, you know, and it's funny in those situations. I think the, the fun thing is, is how everybody behaves during that, because you don't talk about it. You just don't, you know? And so I was asking coach Nelson, he's like, we just avoided her like the plague, you know, and pretend that she wasn't even in, in the dugout at all. Uh, Cause nobody wants to be that guy that jinxes something like that, but ended up with the no hitter and, um, Congratulations to her and Wood River, Wood River, who's can really play some good softball. 
Yeah, so this was last Friday. Uh, they go to Minico and get the sweep. Uh, they win the first game 12 to 11. Like you said, Minico tried a late rally and uh, Mac Nelson had to come in and close the door. And then a 14 nothing shutout in game two with the no hitter. Uh, she had 10 strikeouts in that second no hit game. And when you look at the stats for Wood River, Mac Nelson is also their leader at the plate, a 565 average on the season. Mm-hmm. She's only a sophomore. And, and, and she's very, very driven to be very good at her craft because she is constantly working on it. Uh, you know, she won a Triple Crown World Series last summer in Reno, uh, numerous tournament championships with her Crossfire team in Boise, and she's always working on her skill set to be a better pitcher. Um, her dad calls her a perfectionist because she is. Um, but a cool thing about her is she also, you know, plays hockey where they won a state championship this year. And she scored the tying goal in a shootout in that game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's one of those really competitive kids. And, and you talk to her family and they'll say that, number one, she's a competitor. Uh, but number two, they say she is very funny. Uh, her family keeps a little book at home they call Mackenzieisms, and so it's all of the weird stuff that she would say. Um, they just write it down, you know. So I mean, this th- this kid is not just uh, a number on a softball field or a number on a, in a on an ice rink, you know. She's got a really cool personality and and uh, fun to be around, and everybody had some great things to say about her. Yeah, it's interesting the parallels there between hockey where you're, you know, trying to score a goal in a shootout and you're one-on-one with the goaltender and in baseball, you're one-on-one with the batter, right? It's yeah. it's kind of an interesting parallel there. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um and you can just tell that, that that type of pressure does not bother her. And, you know, for being as young as she is, man, Wood River's got some good stuff to look forward to uh with that combo of of coach and daughter you know, doing a, doing a fantastic job. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you're right. I think Wood River is a team that's lurking because in back-to-back weeks, we do our, our heavy hitters every Monday. We do the nine best uh, individual game performances at the plate for softball and baseball. And then Tuesday we do our primetime pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously McKenzie Nelson was one of our primetime pitchers, but the last two weeks in our heavy hitters column, and that's at idahosports.com. You can see that anytime. We've we've had two Wood River athletes in back-to-back mm-hmm. weeks. Grendel Sprong was two weeks ago, and then Gretchen uh, Etienza was this week. And, and Grendel Sprong has hit seven home runs this year. It's pretty impressive for high school softball, especially with the way the weather's been. Yeah, exactly. And that's why if when this mellows out, and I think if I looked at the weather reports, um, it's going to start to mellow out this weekend, if if I'm not mistaken you know, with the winds and whatnot. And to be honest with you, that's when the season's going to start because once it regulates, you're going to see teams like Wood River all of a sudden come out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So, I mean, Friday 70, and this is in this valley right here, Friday 74, Saturday 83, then 86, 85, 83, 81. Um, winds you know, or it's still going to be breezy anywhere from like 10 to 15, maybe 20 topping out there, but we're not getting 30 and 40 like we're getting right now, this very second as we record this. Um, and that's when you're going to see some teams really find themselves. And I'm, I'm telling you, this Wood River team has got some pieces. And if they can just get a little bit of rhythm at the plate, you never know. That's why these district tournaments are going to be a lot of fun in normal conditions.
Yeah. Twin Twin Falls is the leader, 10 and 0 in, in Great Basin Conference play right now. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's pretty, you know, Jerome is seven and two, Burley is six and two, Canyon Ridge four and six, Wood River three and six. But Wood River, if you look at those three teams that they're looking up at in the standings, they have beaten Canyon Ridge once this year and they mm-hmm. lost to Canyon Ridge by two. They lost to Burley by one run earlier this year, and they just lost to Jerome by only a run. And they'll play Jerome in the regular season finale uh, up in Haley on May 1st, right? And so that that could be a very interesting game. Yeah, well, and it's going to be their first home game. You know, so (laughs) that's crazy what I'm talking about. I mean, we really haven't even started. What we've done this spring has survived. We That's all we've done is survive. So, you know, let's see what happens when they – finally get a home game and their field is finally ready to play on. Um, same with baseball. You know, we're sending our baseball and softball teams up there Monday for the first games at Wood River. Um, and it's going to be their last ones. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, this has been absolutely bizarre, but here we go. Yeah, pretty interesting. And and again, congratulations to Mackenzie Nelson, a sophomore from Wood River, for throwing a no hitter last week. Uh, okay, last week we uh, we highlighted uh, uh, Magic Valley athlete signing and and pursuing athletics at the next level. Right, Fallon Bedke from Oakley mm-hmm. uh, playing basketball for CSI. Uh, we had another signing this week, Hudson Lucero from Richfield High School uh, is going to try and play college football. And he's had a very interesting high school football journey that not a lot of kids uh, go through. He's played for three different schools in his four years of high school ball. And it's, it's not anything that's his fault, right? You think three schools in four years, Oh man, this kid must just be transfer. And I'm just, I'm going to go, you know, play Mm -hmm. for this team, but it's not, it's literally nothing to do with anything he can control. No, not at all. I mean, he's, he's been in the transfer portal his entire (laughs) high school career. And, uh, you know, he, he started playing in Richfield in ninth and 10th grade and then had to move to Shoshone in 11th grade because Richfield didn't have a team then. And then to Dietrich Dietrich for his senior year, because Richfield had mostly a JV team and played a mixed schedule. So, you know, I mean, this was a kid who loved to play football, had some skills, and was just trying to find a home. And that's why all the bouncing, you know, happened. And, you know, this is a the funny thing about uh, Hudson Lucero is that, you know, his coach, Buck Hendren, um, at, well, at Richfield, anyway, I mean, Hudson is dating Coach Hendren's daughter, right? Oh. Yeah. And so I got some pretty good insight on on this kid. <laughs> and, I'm and, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I've been dating Coach Hendren's daughter for over two years. And, you know, the thing about Lucero that makes him so unique and successful sometimes is, you know, he grew up working on the family dairy and got a, a strong work ethic from, you know, his grandparents, uh, Ed and Krista Lucero. So he learned at an early age how to work for what you want and to go get what you want, you know, and along the way, he developed this passion for football. And, um, you know, even though his mom and grandma were more interested in him playing basketball than football, and we're seeing that quite a bit these days. Um, but he did have a, a, an uncle, Mitch Lucero, who played uh, basketball at Whittier College in, in Southern Cal. You know, and so there's, there's some athletic knowledge there. And when Hudson develops this work ethic and fell in love with football, 
then everything started to kind of Richville, Dietrich, Shoshone, keep the dream alive. And so what he did is he got good enough, even with all of the transfers. And that's hard to do because you're learning a lot of times a brand new system. Every time you move, you're trying to gel with new teammates. You're trying to, you know, you have no, you have no foundation. Right. And anyway, he was good enough that he got the uh, attention from the coaches at Eastern Oregon. And so they invited him to a workout and they liked what they saw and they invited him to come over to Eastern and play. Now, um, no scholarship yet, but I think the interesting thing is considering the journey the kid has had to, to, and from where he's coming from to get recognized like that is, is, is quite a, an accomplishment. Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. So we we uh, I got an email before Dietrich played in the state championship game this fall uh, against Kendrick, and it was from it was from Krista uh, Hudson's grandmother, and she kind of outlined the story. And I was able to pull it up here, so I'll read a little bit of what she sent to me back then, just kind of caveating what you said. So the first two years he's at Richfield, his sophomore year there was only eight players on the team, and so when you're playing eight man football with eight players. All it takes mm-hmm. is one kid, and all of a sudden you don't have a team anymore. And so, end of the season, they couldn't finish because they didn't have enough players. Fast forward to his junior year, he shows up to the meeting at the beginning of the season at Richfield. There's only six kids. And he's like, okay, well, obviously, Richfield's not going to have a team. So, um, they uh, sent him to Shoshone because Shoshone was playing a JV schedule at the time. They weren't going to be involved in any playoffs or anything like that. So you don't have to sit out or anything like that. You can just play right away, right? Anytime you transfer, you can play JV or sub varsity level sports right away. Right. So fast forward to his senior year now. And this is what Krista said. Uh, he played for Shoshone. He loved it. and met so many friends and the camaraderie was so fun to see. Um, but this year, uh, his senior year, Richfield petitioned the state for him to be allowed to play for Dietrich. It's a better fit. It's a varsity school. It's closer, right? Mm-hmm. Dietrich and, and Richfield are right next to each other. Um, and so uh, the state board voted to allow him to play for Dietrich. He got granted to be able to play right away. And um, she said he fit in right away with all the Dietrich kids. And he was a great defensive end. He was kind of like the big bruiser at running back when they, when they needed when they needed a couple yards, he was the guy that they'd bring in to pick up the first down. And so um, it was just a really cool story and an interesting journey for sure. And now that he's getting to uh, take those abilities to the next level, KMVT, the TV station there in Twin Falls, had a good report on this. They said um, that this is like the first Richfield athlete to play college football since like the early 2000s, like 2003-04 maybe. It's pretty yeah. Good yeah, absolutely. It makes that the, the the whole story that much more, you know, exciting for the community and uh, and you know a real kind of testament to the work ethic and and drive and personality of of Hudson Lucero. Just because you know those kinds of programs, they they want good kids too, you know, and again talking to people about him, they just all believe that he's set up for success. They, he just has a very strong family. Uh, he's got strong friendships, you know, and, and even bouncing around, like, you know, grandma said, just, 
he's still got these friendships, you know, including, um, you know, Carson Perks at Cary. And we talk about him all the time. And so that whole area there knows who this kid is. And, and again, when you talk about personality, one of the first things that they, anybody says about him is just, he's such a hard worker, but he's passionate. He's easygoing. Um, he's a great teammate. Um, and well, one other thing funny about this too is, is the kid loves to wear his Crocs everywhere he goes, including when he took coach's daughter to the prom <laughs> in, in Crocs, mind you, and on the dairy where he works. And I don't know how that all, I don't even want to know what that looks like, but the, the kid is in Crocs all the time. So he's, he's got a, a personality to go with the work ethic uh, and, and the love and a passion that he shows for the sport. So it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The, the last thing his grandma said in the email that she sent to us was he, uh, Richfield's in Lincoln County, right? And the only other towns in the county are Shoshone and Dietrich. And she said, um, how, how many kids can say that they got a varsity letter from all three schools in the county? Nobody <laughs> except Hudson. <Nope>. Except... <laughs> That's right. You know, and yeah. we called that game, that championship game, yep. you know, and, uh, I remember, I remember you talking about what grandma had to say and, uh, tremendous insight. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was uh, a cool story for sure. And then the ultimate cool story, uh, Scott, that we'll wrap up with Canyon Ridge high school had a big assembly last week. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were honored, uh, as a nationally recognized top five school in the country by ESPN when it comes to inclusion of special Olympics and, uh, students with disabilities. This is a really cool deal. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. And you don't hear about these things very often, you know? Um, but you're right. They were, they were honored as an ESPN top five special Olympics, uh, unified champion banner school. And they were chosen because the school met like all the national standards of excellence in the areas, uh, that they measure like inclusion, advocacy, respect, you know, um, those kinds of things. And, you know, the, uh, what the Idaho CEO, uh, Christy Kraft, um, you know, she said, um, that the honor is a testament to the student body of Canyon Ridge and their willingness to be as inclusive as possible. And, you know, when you talk to, you know, superintendent Brady Dickinson, he'll, he'll tell you the same thing. When Canyon Ridge was first established, they knew that, inclusion was going to have to be something big for them because they have that refugee population and they're a very strong refugee school. And with that, you better have some inclusion going on because you're going to be very diverse in your population. And, you know, so the, the special Olympics inclusion really fit the mold uh, that they have going on over there. And so, you know, Canyon Ridge has roughly 50 unified sport and partner athletes who um, participate in, soccer, basketball, track, bowling, esports, And so that's something that Canyon Ridge can be very, very proud of. And it's something that I think a lot of people should know, but don't. And um, congratulations to, to Canyon Ridge for that. That's, that's a pretty, pretty cool deal. Anytime ESPN's highlighting your school, it's a pretty big deal. When I, when I was in high school, I was a junior and there was a kid, a grade ahead of me, he was a senior and ESPN, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to have this thing. It was called the high school Heisman. And it was like 
they would honor one high school athlete for athletics, academics, high achievement. And he was one of 12 finalists. So he got to go to New York city and like, like the Heisman ceremony. And, um, but, but they came to our school to film like a, for a day, a day in the life of this kid. His name's Rourke Baldwin. Um, so it was kind of cool. We had like ESPN camera people, like, you know, following us around and his main sport was track and field. And so they're like, okay, we got to have like a fake, track practice it was like december so so we're like on the track in the snow like having a <laughs> fake track practice so they can film some footage um but oh, anyways fun. yeah it yeah how fun. Fun. And, and it is and, and you you tag espn to your school then all of a sudden it's like we must be a pretty big deal and um you know and again this this honor special olympics unified champion school uh, they recognize schools across the country whose efforts to support special needs, they go above and beyond what's expected. And Canyon Ridge has done that and, and uh, a little help with KMVT providing some of that information for us. Um, but uh, yeah, what a, what, a, what a cool deal. Yeah, really cool. You know, you were mentioning all of the sports that they're, you know, uh, having inclusion with. And mm -hmm. you mentioned bowling. This is a topic uh, I've wanted to, to dive into. And maybe maybe we can next week. Bowling is huge in the Magic Valley. Every school has a bowling team, and it's and I just don't see that anywhere else in the state. So I'm just and maybe you can tell me. I, I'm just curious yeah. why it's so big and so popular in the Magic Valley. Well, I think it's I think it's a couple of things really. Um, number one, you don't have a whole lot of options in the winter. If you don't play basketball and you don't wrestle, what are you going to do? Because there's nothing else. You know, boys basketball, girls basketball, wrestling. And so if you want to be involved in something, that's really kind of one of your options. You know, and then the other part of that, too, is that we're seeing a, a really big trend towards these non-contact, non-ultra competitive sports. You know, I mean, we've seen the decline in numbers in, in all the major sports. And, and that's a you know, societal thing changing. And so sports like bowling become a lot more popular. You know, um, even tennis is a little bit more popular. Um, and, and that's another reason why. But I think the big one is because it's a wintertime thing. There's not a lot of choices, you know. So you put those two together. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, our bowling team here is growing big time too. And it's not something that is sanctioned by the IHSAA either. Right. You know, and so if that continues to grow, then, yeah, that's going to be a discussion down the road, you know, um, because we are we've already seen kind of with softball and baseball not being sanctioned, you know, the problems that come with it. Um, but as these sports continue to grow, esports is another one that is going through the roof right now. Um, kids and video games and maybe we could do a. Uh, uh, a segment on that down the road too, because I think that is becoming super interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's people that broadcast now broadcast, you know, esports events and things like that. So yeah, it's, wow. it is, it's a, a whole new world. And um, yeah, that, that would be fun is maybe in, in the off season, we can talk a little bit about some of those non-traditional sports mm -hmm. like, like bowling, like esports, um, because it really is growing in, in the magic Valley, especially is where I'd notice it. So yeah, it's kind of a cool deal, but uh, 
we we got to finish out the spring sports season first, weather permitting, <laughs> right, Scott? We yep. gotta... Yeah, exactly. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week because we're going to be right in the middle of everything. Yeah, um, we'll pr- it starts we'll, up. Yeah, we'll probably do a little district bracket show again where I'll kind of put the district brackets up on the screen and we can kind of talk about, you know, who's looking good, who isn't because yeah, districts for softball and baseball are uh, rapidly approaching. Uh, We're going to be putting those up on our website. So stay tuned for that on Mm idahosports.com. All right. Yep. Yep. Should be fun. So uh, right around the corner. I can't believe it's, it's here. I mean, May is here. And uh, we didn't even really have a March or an April. Didn't seem like. Nah, not really. So <laughs> here we go. Sprint to the finish line. Exactly uh, right. <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning into the Magic Valley Prepcast, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.